You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green-Smith, episode 489. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP489. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hey, hey, pod people, Amy here. We are continuing with our series around worthiness. So if you haven't caught the last couple of episodes, I highly suggest that you do so. On episode 487, we talked about the connection between boundaries and worthiness, what it means to speak up for yourself, and the sense of self-worth you kind of need to have in order to flex that muscle of speaking up. And then last week, we talked about the difference between feeling not enough and believing that you are not enough. And we're going to talk more about what that is and how that shows up this week as we discuss the influence of the subconscious mind on your sense of self-worth. So if you haven't caught those episodes, you definitely want to do so. Last week was really about emotional intelligence. It was about the difference between just believing something and then sort of the fleeting emotions that we feel that tend to knock us down. And if we're feeling really down or despondent or sad or overwhelmed or stressed or shameful, A lot of times the narrative that's happening there is I'm not enough, I'm not valuable, I'm not worthy, I don't matter. So this week we're going to be talking about how the subconscious mind influences how you feel about your sense of worthiness. If you tend to have that thing that we all go through when we start learning about personal development and we enter into this wonderful world of affirmations and positive mantras, and we think, oh, sweet, that's all I need to do, and I will magically believe that I'm worthy. Eh, full stop. That doesn't usually happen. And we're going to talk about exactly what's happening scientifically in the mind that's kicking those mantras out of the vehicle, so to speak. It's like, get out of here. You're not running the show. You're not driving this car. And then next week, we're going to be talking about worthiness and perfectionism. So I'm hoping that after we dig into this whole concept around the subconscious mind, you'll have a much better understanding of the beliefs that you have formed and that you have attached to that are likely surrounding not enoughness, I don't matter, I'm not lovable, and how we can start changing that and how we can start altering that. But before we jump into all of that, I am beside myself excited to announce that the priority application window for my signature program called Worthy, Worthy period, 
is now officially open. If you are listening to this episode when it drops, which is Monday, August 28th, applications are currently being accepted. Here's the deal. I'm going to give you a nuts and bolts real quick rundown. Worthy is nine months nine months. So we are going through a massive transformation process for the better part of a year. And it is unreal the types of shifts that you can make over that time where you're really dedicated and focused on changing how you feel about yourself. Nine months virtual program plus it includes two all-inclusive five-day retreats. That's right. That means we will go on a gorgeous retreat together in December for five days. Everything's included. In fact, Mr. Smith will be making an incredible debut as a chef, a private chef for us. So he'll be cooking and bartending for us for those five days. You don't need to worry about anything except getting your flight to Lake Gaston in northern North Carolina. Everything else will be taken care of. And same is true for the retreat we'll be going on in May 2024 to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, to a gorgeous, gorgeous boutique resort that we went to last year. And I've been aching to get back there. The food is exquisite. The staff was unparalleled. And the way we were able to work through everything in this gorgeous paradise was incredibly uniting for this beautiful group of women. So nine months, virtual program includes two retreats, one domestic, one in Mexico. And this is a deep dive, y'all. I am not playing around here, okay? I want you to end our time together with a completely different belief system about who you are. And I have to say, it fucking works. I have seen it happen hundreds of times. It is not that you are uniquely broken. I'm sure you've heard me talk about that. It's just that your beliefs are lying to you. We just need to change your belief system. And if you remember from last week, I was talking about how beliefs are malleable. They are not set in stone. They are not They are not necessarily true. They are just a feeling of certainty. If you have a belief around, I am not enough, what you are saying is, I feel certain that I am not enough. It's not a fact. And it also doesn't necessarily have to be true. That's what makes a belief a belief. It is residing on faith, this idea that, no, I feel very, very certain that I am uniquely broken. (laughs) But the great news about a belief is because it's not a fact, we can change it. And you're not exempt from the science, my friend. Here's the deal. There are only eight spots available for Worthy. Three of them are already gone due to some behind-the-scenes stuff with previous clients and students. So I have five spots available. That is it. So it is first come, first served to get your application in. Once you apply, then you will set up a call with me where we will dig in and just make sure that what you're up against is exactly the right fit for Worthy and then I'm the right practitioner for you to get you where you want to go. And I will say the most common disempowering belief that I see from my clients and students is around this issue, is that I am not enough. I'm bad. I'm broken. I don't matter. I'm not deserving. I'm not lovable. 
those are the most common beliefs that I see, which is why I curated this program specifically to alter that. And one of the ways we do that is with hypnosis. And that is something we're going to be talking about a lot today. So if you are interested and you want to vacation with me twice (laughs) in the next month and massively change how you feel about people-pleasing and perfectionism and control and speaking negatively to yourself and unpacking bullshit from your past and forgiveness and inner child work and the parental wounds, all of those things we're going to be covering, you can find all of the details over at amygreensmith.com slash worthy. Read all about it, and then you'll see an opportunity to submit your application. Here's what I'll say. Sometimes just the act of applying and getting into that framework sends this message to the universe of like, oh, she needs this support. And things can start unfolding for you where you have financial options in order to join the program. It's just kind of amazing what happens when when you raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm, I'm done living this way. I really, really want to start shifting things. So again, check it out, amygreensmith.com slash worthy. All right, so let's talk about this common paradigm that we all go through where we learn a new mantra, we say it for maybe two days, and the kickback from that inner critic is so harsh and so rude that we throw in the towel really quickly. So let's say you start telling yourself, I am enough, or I believe that I can establish boundaries, or I'm capable of putting myself first for once. And then you try to say it, maybe you say it once or twice, and you, gosh, it's just out of control in your mind. You hear this voice being like, oh, how cute. You're trying to do positive affirmations. <laughs> how nice. Or wow, okay, so you really think this is going to work. All of that inner critic chatter is there for a very specific reason. And it's maddening. It's infuriating in the moment because you literally feel like you're fighting with yourself. But it's actually a method of preservation. It is your mind's way of keeping you safe. And we're going to look at exactly what that means. So the first thing we need to look at is how beliefs are formed, right? So it's likely that you have a whole arsenal of beliefs. Some of them you're really clear about, right? Like if you believe in God or if you believe in soulmates, we're really usually quite clear on those sorts of kind of meta beliefs. And then there are others that kind of pop up over time where you realize, oh gosh, I think at my core, I really don't think I'm deserving of the success that I have. That's an enoughness issue. That's a worthiness issue. Anytime I hear those words like deserving, mattering, value, lovable, those really clue me into the notion that whoever I'm speaking to is dealing with self-worth issues. Here's how those beliefs are formed. Now, this is very common to happen before the age of eight, but you can absolutely develop beliefs well into your adolescence and into your adulthood and even senior years. It is malleable, which is incredibly encouraging to me, and I hope it's encouraging you to you too, that they aren't facts. They aren't set in stone, and they are completely changeable. Have you ever met somebody who quite literally changed their beliefs overnight? Maybe they were rooting for one political candidate, and then the next day they completely changed it, or they read an article and it completely changed their spiritual beliefs. 
or they met someone and that completely changed how they viewed soulmates and intimate connection, we can change our beliefs at the drop of a hat. However, if they are really ingrained and we have nurtured those beliefs, meaning we've lived into them, it's much more challenging to change them, but still very, very possible. So let's take an example. Let's say you get bitten by a dog. You have a certain experience. You get bitten by a dog, and now your mind has a negative association with dogs. Since our minds are always scanning for any type of perceived threat, it creates associations with various things, in this case, a dog, and now it computes in the mind as being known. It's known as harmful, which means that we will now have a belief that dogs are dangerous. That negative association is now known, it's now computed as being something we want to stay away from. Now, you may also have a situation where you had a very negligent or emotionally unavailable primary caregiver, let's say. And maybe you realized, oh gosh, I have to really walk on eggshells and fly under the radar and really people please this caregiver of mine in order to stay safe. Maybe it's from physical abuse. Maybe it's from mental or emotional abuse. But I can kind of fly under the radar and just do my own thing if I placate and acquiesce and give to this person who is a little bit more abrasive in my world. So in the mind, then, we develop a positive association with people-pleasing. Now, people-pleasing, caretaking for that parent in the brain is associated with being positively known, which is one of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to break out of various behavioral patterns that we have crafted in our mind as a positive thing. Now, back in your childhood, that makes a lot of sense because it was very positive that you stayed out of trouble, that you kept safe in the face of a very volatile home life. As that belief has been now anchored into the subconscious mind, then we start living into it. And that's where we're going to get into the concept of the theory of mind. So this is our second major topic here. The theory of mind. I want you to picture like a glass or a jar, a glass you would drink from, you know, just like a regular tumbler. And I want you to imagine that the top 10% of that glass is your conscious faculty of the mind. The remaining 90% is the subconscious faculty of the mind. Now, in each of these parts of the mind, they house different elements of who we are. I will also say that it depends who you ask what these percentages are. I've heard everything from 5% conscious, 95% sub. I've heard 12% conscious, 88% sub. I like to use the 90-10 because it makes it so much easier to visualize and compute in your mind. So in that conscious part of the mind, 10%, that's where logic, reason, rationale, and willpower is housed. Just 10% of the mind's power. Now in the bulk of it, 
in the belly of that glass, a majority of it, 90% of our mind is our subconscious mind. In the subconscious, that houses beliefs, our core value system, also our primitive mind, which is our fight, flight, freeze, fawn responses. And I've done specific podcasts all about our primitive fear responses like that and sort of the modern iteration. So I'll be sure to link that into the show notes. And by the way, we do a huge deep dive. We spent about a month on that alone in Worthy. So in between those two, the conscious and the sub, there's a little filter. And that filter is the inner critic, also known as the critical factor of the mind. I like to think of it like a little guard dog, a little pit bull who is making sure that any information that comes to you consciously is congruent with your belief system in the subconscious mind. Now, we can see this happen all the time. For example, if you see somebody talking about how the sky is green, it's not actually blue. That is probably going to be in direct opposition to your belief in your subconscious mind of the color of the sky. So immediately, if you let's say you see somebody on on social media and they're going off about it's actually green, blah, 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 immediately your inner critic is going to go, no, it's not. Oh, my God. No. And justly so, right? Aptly so, because the belief that you have in your subconscious mind says sky's blue. So any information that's coming through the conscious faculty of the mind, that guard dog is checking to make sure that it's congruent, which is why your inner critic is not a bad thing, right? So for example, now in my subconscious mind, I 100% believe that I am worthy. I believe that I'm enough. I believe that I'm valuable and that I'm lovable. Like that is unflappable, unshakable belief that I have. So if I was engaging with somebody, God forbid, let's say I was in the dating world again, and I was dealing with somebody who said like, I think you're a little conceited or I think you're a little too stuck up or whatever else they might say, my inner critic immediately is going to go, oh, that doesn't match. That statement right there that you said that I'm computing consciously does not make sense with what I really, truly believe. And when we experience that, we are experiencing something called cognitive dissonance. It's when there are two opposing beliefs being housed in the various parts of our mind. You can see this happening in a lot of political forums these days where people will be presented with new concrete data and information. But because it's incongruent with the beliefs that somebody has held deeply, they will oftentimes double down on their belief so that they don't have to acknowledge the new information coming through the conscious part of the mind. So what I think is really, really important to underline here is that we oftentimes look at the inner critic as though it's incredibly negative, but it's not. It's critical. It's helping us look at 
does this make sense? You want you think about it almost like uh, critical thinking. That's what that critical part of the mind is enabling you to do. But it's always checking. That little guard dog is checking. Like, are you allowed to come in here? New thought, new idea. I don't know. Let's see if it matches the beliefs you're holding dear. Oh, it doesn't? Get out of here. And then that little guard dog spews off all sorts of negative things to get you to abort that new message. So for example, if you're listening to lots of personal development stuff and you're hearing somebody say, start saying, I am enough in the mirror every day. So you go to do that. And then that little guard dog is like, this is dumb, stupid. And so it becomes, do I ignore that voice and try to persist or do I throw in the towel? And sadly, I would say that a majority of people throw in the towel, but it's completely understandable. Because you have this massive defense mechanism that's kicking in going, hey, that doesn't match the beliefs that we have here. But what we have to also understand is that because beliefs are housed in the 90% of the subconscious, they are going to win every time. (laughs) Anything you try to say in the conscious part of the mind, 10%, guess which one's winning? The 90%, the subconscious, every time. That's why you can also consume a shit ton of personal development stuff, a lot of books or podcasts, maybe for 30 minutes a day, but the rest of your day, you're talking mad shit to yourself. You're surrounded by people who are awful to you or in toxic environments, and you wonder why it's not changing for you. It's not that you're uniquely broken. It's that you're approaching it in ways that aren't setting yourself up for success, which is why in Worthy, hypnosis is a massive piece of the puzzle because hypnosis essentially puts that little guard dog to sleep. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But first, let's talk about how all of this relates to your sense of self-worth. My guess would be, without knowing each and every one of you, my guess would be you experienced something in your life, some sort of circumstance or situation interpreted that to mean something, like I'm only good enough if I'm beautiful and thin, or I'm only good enough if I am constantly achieving and accomplishing things. That will prove my worth. We develop all these different beliefs. So my guess is there's something like that for you. And then every time you try to address it or you try to change it, That little guard dog goes, get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? No, you clearly cannot speak up for yourself. You clearly are a mess. You clearly are damaged. You are uniquely broken. And it's just trying to get you back to homeostasis. It's trying to create resonance between the conscious and the subconscious. And of all the practices and tools that we use in Worthy, this topic of changing our belief system is something that we work on through the entirety of the program. Because as I've mentioned before, this is the most prevailing disempowering belief that I see, hands down. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. So it's high time we start to change that. So let's talk about number four. What actually changes beliefs that are housed in the subconscious mind? How, wait, okay, so this sounds quite dire, Amy. What the fuck do I do about this? 
Well, first of all, repetition does actually work. I don't know if you've ever had this where you've been in a class, let's say, in college, and the more you were around a certain group of people and the more you heard a specific concept or belief, you really started to buy into it. But it's not because you were just introduced to it one time. It was because you were repeatedly introduced to that concept. Now, the same is true if we're wanting to change beliefs for ourselves. We can. It does actually work if you stand in front of the mirror and say, I am enough. But you have to genuinely stay connected to it, which is very hard to do. And you have to do it consistently over a long period of time. Now, a much faster avenue is through hypnosis. This is one of the reasons why it's such a huge component of the work that I do and of the Worthy program, because it helps expedite the changing of our belief system. In fact, I have one student who would play, I make for them like a subliminal hypnosis track that essentially sounds like music. You can hear a little bit of a voice, but it mostly sounds like music. And she would just play it all the time. And the transformation this woman has had, it blows my mind from when she started to where she is now, where she is when she completed. She's standing up for herself. She's speaking up in all of these. She's in a very high-powered position, and she's speaking up in all of these boardroom conversations and handling things in her relationships. And it's unreal, stuff that she was paralyzed with fear of handling when we first started. But that's such a great example of we can start shifting those beliefs. And I'm a big fan of subliminal hypnosis because it makes your job really, really fucking easy. So let's dispel some of the myths around hypnosis. What it actually does is it slows down your brainwave state. Hypnosis is actually very natural. In fact, all of us, you are not exempt from the science, all of us go into hypnosis twice, at least twice a day when we are either going to sleep or as we awake. And you can feel it sometimes. I'm very uh, astute at noticing it now because I'm in the profession, but I can feel it at night as I'm starting to go to sleep. I'm like, oh, there's theta. And what theta is, is the waves of your brainwave state as you are going to sleep. So we have a certain set of brainwave states as we are completely awake and conscious, and those help us deal with various things in our world, and our brain waves are going at a much faster rate. As we start to relax and slow down, they pass through what is called a theta brainwave state, and that is a hypnotic trance. It's between awake and asleep. And then we go into delta waves, which are the slowest brain waves, and those are while we are completely asleep or unconscious. If you've ever had that experience where you are driving somewhere and you get to your destination and you're like, oh, uh, holy shit, I do not remember this drive at all. How did I get here? That's a perfect example of what's happening in the conscious versus the subconscious. Your subconscious mind knows how to drive a car. You don't have to remind yourself to move the gear shift. You don't have to remind yourself to look over your shoulder. All of that stuff is now embedded in the subconscious mind. But consciously, 
You're thinking about what you should have said to your partner earlier that day when you got into an argument. You're reliving it. You are re reenacting it. You're thinking of all these really great quips to respond with. And then you get to your destination. Fortunately, your subconscious knows all the traffic signals. It knows the directions. It knows how to drive a car. That's why you are able to get there completely safely. Because 90% of your mind's power knows exactly what's up. So 10% can be fighting around the logic and reason and why your partner is such an asshat. And if they would just do what you said to do, to begin with, everything would be fine. If that sounds any type of familiar. In Worthy, I have crafted it so that we are constantly targeting both the subconscious and the conscious part of the mind with various practices and routines and tactics. But that is also why there's hypnosis tracks that accompany each and every module. There are nine modules. So there's always something that you can be listening to really easily and effortlessly, and you don't even have to be consciously aware. That's what's so beautiful about this. So you could do something similar to this by getting a hypnosis track that you like off the internet somewhere and just play it at a very, very low volume so that you're not really consciously going, oh, I don't believe that, or oh, this is stupid. And then distract your conscious mind. Listen to it while you're working or while you're doing something like dishes or doing your makeup or anything at all. You can even be watching TV. But what we're doing is we're bypassing that little guard dog. And it's like, oh, I didn't even see you. I didn't even see you. I didn't even hear you. <laughs> because it's really residing in that conscious part of the mind, trying to figure out, is this, are we going to let this in or not? But if it doesn't even see you coming, like with hypnosis or bypassing the conscious part of the mind, it just drops right on in there really nicely. But part of the problem with those sorts of things is you don't get to have really explicit targeted beliefs that you want to change. But it is a little bit of a hack if you wanted to try that out and see how that works for you. But I, th I think most of the time when we're doing guided meditations or hypnosis or anything like that, we really think, oh my gosh, I have to be hearing absolutely everything or what happens if I fall asleep? It doesn't matter. Your subconscious mind can still always hear what's coming through, even if consciously you cannot. So I still do a lot of hypnosis while I'm asleep too. <laughs> so there are a lot of workarounds. But if you opt for the repetition option, which I personally like to hit it from all angles. <laughs> That's what she said. But if you are opting for repetition as your tactic, oftentimes right before that little guard dog is going to allow that new mantra to drop down into the subconscious mind, we give up. But if you keep, it's almost like you're, you keep saying to that little guard dog, no, we're going to believe that we are enough. No, here's a little greenie. I need you to sit down. We are enough. You have to do it over and over and over again. And with enough repetition, eventually that little guard dog goes, I guess she's really serious. I guess she really does mean it. And then it will allow that concept to drop into the subconscious mind and become a new belief. But again, because the guard dog's bark is usually so intense, we don't stick with it to the point where repetition can create change. 
I personally love the idea of going both through a subconscious modality as well as a conscious modality. But part of the reason why worthy is over such a long period of time is because of the repetition of talking to me, engaging with me, hearing the lessons. I have students who will just play the lessons over and over and over and over again to help with that repetition concept. You might notice it sometimes in various books. If there's a book that I'm thinking off the top of my head, we've had the guest Annie Grace on the show before. And in her book, This Naked Mind, she says from the the jump, you are probably going to hear similar things from me over and over again stated in slightly different ways. There is a very real reason for that. And part of it is the repetition in the subconscious mind so that it can anchor into the sub and become a belief. It's not dissimilar to how we approach learning a language. The problem with how we feel about ourselves, though, is the stakes are far higher and so much more emotionally invested. So as we learn a language and it feels really fumbly at the beginning and the brain is like, no, we do not know that, there's not an emotional investment of what a fucking loser you are if you cannot say the appropriate word in German, (laughs) right? But if we are looking at our beliefs about ourselves, there is so much more emotional investment there. And we can feel the devastation when we don't have empowering beliefs about ourselves. Final thing that I will say about hypnosis is that I have seen it work wonders on folks. I have a dear friend of mine who I did a bunch of hypnosis sessions on while I was getting my hours many years ago for my certification, and she had terrible stage fright. And we weren't able to really test it out because it was the early days of the pandemic, and so she wasn't doing live shows. She's a musician. And she messaged me not too long ago now that she's been doing all these live shows again, and she's like, gone. The stage fright is completely gone. I have zero issues around it. I had another gal who I did a bunch of hypnosis for, and she had a really difficult time with sleep and sleeping through the night. And we were able to pinpoint that it had its genesis in an issue with her father leaving in the middle of the night when she was about eight years old. And that is when her sleep disturbance changed. And so when we were able to unpack that, address it, and change it through the hypnotic modality... Now she sleeps through the night and she's like, I don't remember ever being this well-rested. Like it's been the entirety of my life for the most part. I've not been able to sleep all the night through. So those aren't necessarily what we're targeting and worthy, but I wanted to just share that with you so that you could see, wow, you can make some significant changes. The amount of people who've quit smoking from hypnosis alone. Again, not something that I do, but what we cover with this topic is changing those deep-seated beliefs. We've talked about how beliefs are formed. We've talked about understanding the theory of mind. We've talked about how this relates to you and your sense of self-worth. And we've also looked at what actually changes those deep-seated beliefs held in the subconscious mind. And then finally, I want to give you another subconscious mind hack. One thing that you can do is use what I call progressive language. And this is a tool I came up with many, many years ago for this exact reason. 
that oftentimes when we try to say empowering things to ourselves, our mind, that inner critic kicks it back so fast and we throw in the towel. So what if we didn't try to take a jump from A to Z and just went like A to B? So all you do is you take the statement that you want to believe. Let's say, I want to believe that I am enough. And we annex to the beginning part of that a progressive statement. So it would sound something like, I'm exploring what it looks like to believe I am enough, or I'm entertaining the idea that I really am worthy, or I'm redefining what self-worth looks like. We're, do- we're saying something progressive, like I'm on my way. And what we're doing with that hack is we're giving that little pit bull a little grainy. We're going, okay, here, I know you don't love it, but just take this little treat and sit down for a minute. And then it's like, okay, I won't get as snippy. You can also use disclaimers. Like, even though my inner critic hates when I say this, I am enough. Even though this feels clunky and weird, I believe I am worthy, right? Like, you can use little disclaimers. So you don't have to pretend that you feel a way about yourself that you actually don't. All we're doing is conditioning the mind. All right, so there you have it. Five different concepts around how the subconscious mind has been informing your own enoughness, how you can start changing that and altering it. And if you have found that any of this that we've been talking about has really been resonant for you, and you're like, yeah, I 100% don't think I'm deserving. I don't think I'm enough. I want you to think about what implications does that have on your entire life? When we don't think that we're enough, we show up disempowered inside of our relationships. We show a very warped example of confidence to our children. And I want you to just think about If you continue down this path for another 10 years, five years, one year, can you sustain this incredibly adversarial relationship with yourself? It is time to believe in you. I feel so strongly that one of the fiercest acts of resistance that we can employ as women is to say, I am enough. You've probably heard me talk about this before. But the way that systems of oppression are set up, in order for the oppressor to stay in power, the oppressed parties must continue to believe that they are not enough. And this applies to any marginalized identity. So if you are in a disabled body, the ableist perspective would have you believe that you are not enough. If you are in a fat body, and I say that using that word from a liberatory stance, the anti-fat or fat phobic perspective would say that you are not enough unless you are straight-sized or smaller. And this goes on and on and on. But obviously, the one that I can speak to from personal experience the most acutely is being a woman, right? And for in order for us as women to stay oppressed by men in our culture, then we have to believe that we are less than them. We have to believe that we are not enough. And I call bullshit on that, y'all. Not on my fucking watch. What we need 
for our daughters of the future are fierce, powerful, confident women who can stand up and say, I fucking matter. I am enough. I am worthy. And I dare you to contest it. I fucking dare you. That's what we need. That is the change that is going to filter into our communities, into our families, into our schools, into our entire culture. So from a meta view, from a meta perspective, I don't think there is anything more important than all of us banding together and saying, I am committed to my worth, full stop. And if that is you, if this is speaking to you and you've been struggling with people-pleasing, perfectionism, trying to control things, being so critical with yourself, and you see other people in your life not getting in their way, their own way that much, let me tell you, you are not exempt from the science. You are not uniquely broken. You absolutely can change this. But just like learning a language, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes investment. And it takes learning from the person who speaks to you. The stuff that I'm talking about, I'm not the only person doing that. But it's usually quite clear if I'm for you or if I'm not for you. (laughs) So I think part of it is really knowing how you learn best and who the right practitioner is for you. So if that is me and you feel called, I highly encourage you to submit an application for Worthy. Go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy. Get your application in. You can see all of the things that are covered, the gorgeous locations that we're going to retreat at, a lovely photo of Mr. Smith being our private chef. And regardless of if it's in the cards for you or not, please just know you are deserving of figuring this out. Even if you just have to believe me right now, even if you cannot even see how that's possible, just believe that Amy believes. Amy says, Amy says that this is possible for me, even if I don't believe it. And keep going on your journey. Stay tuned next week. We're going to be talking about perfectionism and worthiness. And in the meantime, please remember, your voice matters. You are enough. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding. But I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye.